0: JT, here we are, episode number 96, can't wait to introduce our coach, and I'm talking Coach E here in, in just a moment, but before we, uh, before we do that, this is Brent Duane, Jared Ty. we're bringing you episode number 96 of Breaking Business Barriers. I do want to throw a little uh, shout out to a relatively new podcast, and one of which you may want to listen into, it's, it's uh, called The Mastermind Effect, check it out. My, my friend, Brandon Straza, our friend, Brandon Straza, hosts that that uh, that podcast, and there's really some awesome entrepreneurs out there in all kinds of different businesses that you may want to check out. But more importantly, let's talk breaking business barriers. We've we've got Eric Hofford joining us today, and I met Eric, golly, this is going to date both of us, Eric. I was with Wells Fargo at the time, so it had to be. It had to be almost uh, when you really first uh, first launch coach it forward. I, I really it had to be right around that period of time because I think totally. you started that in O two or O three. Yeah, and we're in there after after sixteen years of coaching in, yeah. in in hockey, if I remember that right, I think it was sixteen years. That's right. But you know, here here we are. You know, bringing bringing uh,
1: some friends together. Do you know what's interesting about that period of time? And you were you were one of the leaders that I was running into that's part of this story for me. I come out of hockey coaching and it wasn't really that long ago that I was doing it. Right. Like now it's still such a huge part of me, but now it's 20 years ago. Then it was like, uh, like two. Like I had just been doing it all of a sudden, just because of the way life goes, I find myself in the corporate world and what, was like this amazing cool revelation for me was, is that I was finding people in the corporate world that were really cool and really into coaching and leadership and building culture and not thinking that sales training was just about teaching people to sell. And because as a hockey coach, You know i say this jokingly but i was sort of under the assumption that like everybody was really like bored at their work and nobody could really have conviction you know that unless you were like a hockey coach you're really just absolutely doing something that flat out was what you had always wanted to do right so all of a sudden i get into the corporate world so what i look back on what was going on with some of the conversations i remember some of like the mental toughness training that i was doing and even some of the language that i was using And I see some of these really cool, like, say, like Navy SEAL guys right now. And they, and like, like not, not even the most famous ones, just like other guys, like they're doing corporate coaching. They're not just doing motivational speeches. They're doing workshops. They're going in and they're doing great team building things with college teams and that where they're really leaving stuff behind. And there's all the, there's so much great coaching out there right now. Right, Brent? Like there's a lot, but back then Back then, it wasn't really that way. Back then, the stuff we were talking, and I'm not trying to take credit for it. Back then, the stuff that we were talking about, it was almost a little uncomfortable for certain people. Now, it's almost mainstream. Think about this. When I started coaching in the corporate world, there was just a little bit of like almost the thing of um, they were getting, we were just getting out of as I was starting the idea that if you had a coach, you were in trouble. Like they got you a coach because they were going to try to start to manage you out. Mm-hmm. Whereas it started to become, as I came in and things were changing, then it became, you're know, you in trouble if they don't have a coach for you because clearly they don't have a plan, right? Type of thing. So it had changed at that point and we were like a part of that. But I do really love looking back and feeling a certain amount of, um, that some of us, and I think again, like leaders like you, it wasn't just the, the external resources. It was going on inside big companies like Wells Fargo. There were people around that were taking it seriously. And really doing great work as coaches and leaders, rather than just managers.
0: That That's right. And that that first time that we met, you know, a lot of us in, in, in the very, and you know this, Eric, have a sports background somehow, some way. Whether we played sports or we're just a sports fanatic, somehow, mm-hmm. some way. So it, it really resonated with me and the group, that the first group I know we had a lot of fun know, it was a relatively small group. What I mean by that, I think it was under 50 people, but we, we talked about that presentation, your first presentation with us. And it wasn't some motivational thing, right. even though it was really positive because motivational speech out there. And, and again, I have nothing against anyone doing those things, but you know, that's kind of a, all right, you, you go and you leave, you feel good for a little while and then you're, you're kind of done, but it's not, it's not coach it forward type material. And you, you brought that and, so Eric, you know, as we, we get tried to right make into it a locker room. Yeah.
1: We tried to make it like as much yeah. as I could. I knew that I was leading and facilitating and I needed to get some some ideas laid down. I always tried to actually imagine myself in those days make it into a locker room, make it inclusive. Even for those that may not contribute, they can feel it. They can feel a moment. And what would work well, again, would be that there would be enough people that would be turned on by the idea of like, let's talk about this stuff that I could get some energy. Always resistors, but they're everywhere, you know? And, and so if like you were in a good group, you could get it going. And we would start talking about like some good stuff. And it was, I wanted, it. I, I love that. I, that it wasn't quite a motivational speech. It was something more, something where we could have some takeaways, right? Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, hence your business, Coach It Forward. And it again, I, I'll never forget it. Nor will my com, uh, compadres join me. In fact, uh, I let some of them know uh, that you are going to be on our show. So that that's that's pretty cool. They're like, "Oh yeah, coach E, you know. So that's oh, nice. pretty, that's pretty yeah. neat. So I, I've got a question, and then I'll flip it over to Jared. Good. As and we'll we'll get into the fork in the road here in a bit. But your style of coaching athletes in one of the toughest. Sports, in my opinion, out there, hockey. <laughs> I mean, I've never. Well, I can't say I've ever played it. Yeah, I played it, but not not. Uh, you know, it was it was out on a lake and and that it was, was a bunch new. of Nice.
2: Yeah, yeah it was just a bunch of
0: like uh, that. bunch of yeah. guys out having a little bit of fun. But if that puck went in the air, tell you what, I didn't want to eat it. So I know how tough uh, you all were because you were a player. And in northern. New York, right? Is that where did you grow up? up Upstate
1: New York, they call it, or Western New York, right up by the Canadian border. Rochester's near Buffalo, and Buffalo's right on the border of Niagara Falls.
0: So you worked with Fortune five hundred, Fortune one hundred, as well as almost every professional sports team out there that you can imagine. When it when it comes to leagues, what have you, uh, superstars, and all that. How did you coat is as a, as a coach, your team to what you're doing now, was your style the same back then? I never asked you that question.
1: It's a, it's a great question because part of the way that I answer it would be, I'm, I'm happy to look back on that and see that that was a, that there are comparables on style Certainly as I evolved as a hockey coach, because I definitely was a different coach at the end of the 16 years than I was, you know, even in the second five than I was in the first five. You know, I, def- I was a leader that was willing to reinvent, it turns out, during that time. And I think that that says something. And then I was also somebody that figured out that, it, that, that actually relationships matter and that that isn't a soft idea at all. That's a powerful idea. Um, and that I, and that I think, you know, the way that I thought about coaching was just beyond, again, that everybody should just do what I say because I'm the head coach. So leadership really without a title was more the principle, even though I didn't know it. Right. You know, I felt like you earned your leadership in that. And so I really look back on it though, brother. And I really think that that, that was my education. It turns out, little did I know, because again, if there would have been like a crystal ball experience where some sort of angel could have jumped on my shoulder and said, Oh yeah, you think you love hockey coaching, you're going to leave it. And you're actually going to go do something else that, yeah, you're going to love it more. I think. And I don't know, cause you never want to say that I didn't love hockey coaching enough because I did, but I ended up coming out of it and being able to diversify. And like we said before, kind of make the world, my locker room a little bit. And, and I think the thing that I like is, is that I think in a way, as big as my personality is, I stayed in my wheelhouse effectively when I learned how to be a good hockey coach. And that doesn't mean that I was limited, but I understood how I, how I can get it across Like, what is my way to help people get the best out of themselves? Because there's going to be certain truths, but not everybody's going to be the same way. But I see that in what I was learning as a hockey coach and how I coach today. And that I just see like every opportunity to connect, whether it's group or individual. You know, my job is is to kind of stay in my wheelhouse, contribute what I know, you know, kind of play big within that. But really what all I'm trying to do is help people get the best out of themselves and that so I kind of see it that way and I get it that simple because that kind of does sound like kind of a simplicity right but I think you work hard to understand that that's for sure it takes like it takes a few reps you know just getting in there.
2: Eric yeah, I think absolutely. it's really interesting. Jared I think it's really interesting how you pointed out how the uh, you know perception of coaching has changed over the past 20 years that you know people used to think that it was a bad thing you know it's kind of like marriage counseling. I've had people say that you know everyone should have proactive marriage counseling, and it's not it doesn't mean that you're in trouble, per se. Um, what does coaching in the corporate world look like in the sense that uh, are, are are companies hiring coaches to individually uh, mentor um, professionals, or is it more group coaching or?
1: Mm. So. I have been able to experience so many different opportunities of what I would call like versions of corporate coaching. And and I think it's a really interesting thing for people today to consider, you know, do you want to do that? And that you can you can effectively contribute whatever background you come from, because you know, I've proven that. I, I had experience a little bit as an entrepreneur, even while I was coaching hockey, because I had owned a restaurant and I'd done some other things. But I think, you know, for me to come in and to look at becoming a corporate coach, realizing that that, that that there's an opportunity here, you know, I had to ask myself, what do you want to do? What do you want to contribute? And so what worked well for me is, is that I, I recognized that my contribution was going to be towards helping build high-performance team cultures and that sewn into that coaching that I could provide would be a mental toughness training. And that the idea being is, is that actually people in the corporate world need mental toughness training more than athletes do. And here's the main reason why they get no off season. Right. And people in the corporate world have like every day's game day. What's practice day? What's game day? What's rest day? Whereas as an athlete, it's very designed for you. Rest day, training day, game day, right? You know, off season, in season. And so you're able to manage the mind differently and and so I felt like in the corporate world, gosh, we've got to build these high performance team cultures and we've got to train this mental toughness. So inside of It Forward, I started this like Think Strong brand and that. And so for me, what I was then able to experience and others can think about, if you have something to contribute, you will understand and you will then be able to recognize the opportunity where you can do one-to-one coaching and they'll want you to coach people individually where you're spending time with them, you know, over time. And so I was able to position myself so that I was even right from the jump and now always seen as somebody that a leader would want to talk to because I'm going to give you perspective on how to coach people, Mm -hmm. right? A leader would want to talk to me, be coached by me because I'm going to just give you, you know, opportunity to talk out loud with somebody other than who you're supposed to be about how you're putting your culture together, you know, in kind of a trusted room. How's it going? What's really going on? What are some of the things that we can do? So leaders need help with that. And so corporate coaching can be a part on that. I also think that there's room beyond sort of like the sales coach, right, for there to be a mental toughness coach, a mental skills coach for a salesperson right? So training mental toughness skills for the salesperson, even just something like I think salespeople need just as much as athletes training and resiliency. It's not not something that has to do with your personality. It's a skill to train towards. And then what happens that where you build from there is, is that I think you put together workshops where they want you to do group things, where you could be with groups of leaders on retreats so that you can facilitate conversations that have to do with the exact things that I just talked about, or even be at sales rallies Where everybody's there and they say to you, you know, Eric or whoever you are, you know, hey, listen, we'd love for you to do like an hour, you know, just for everybody on the whole thing on Think Strong and what are the top three steps to being mentally tough. And again, just putting something like that together. And so there's just this whole breadth of experience just with even those three areas. And I'll just tell you, for me, it was I felt like it was a gift that I because I had no clue it was even available. Even as I started, I didn't know what the breadth would be that you can contribute in that realm. And if you're interested in coaching and at all interested in anything like that, and you have a program to put together and you really feel you can contribute, bring it to the marketplace, right? Because companies need you. I know that there's way more out there than when I started, but I still love to see all the great coaching that's going on. Like, I really think it's so cool. Like even just being on this podcast, the resources available to people right now, the quality of them are tremendous. It's so cool.
2: Eric, I, I really like the uh, concept of proactive uh, training for mental toughness. I'd love to hear more about that on just, you know, mm. what exactly that, that means.
1: Well, one of the things that you, that you want to feel like is, is so I'll, I'll always say, hey, you know, somebody's got to answer like just one basic question before I can work with you as a private client. And that would just be this, will you agree with me that how we think matters? Can, can you will you just meet me there and just say, absolutely, with conviction? I do. I do. I believe that how I think matters. I think it, I think it has something to do with my success, with my happiness. And so because I'm not, I don't, you know, th- at this point, nor would I have ever really wanted. I wouldn't have recruited a hockey player that went, wanted to debate that. You know, you got to commit to that. You got to first. Off, so once we're there, now we can get going, you know, on some ideas. And so one of the things that I think that a lot of people talk about would be like the idea of taking ownership today and training mentally to understand what taking ownership is so that we're better in tough moments so that very quickly we can think about like, I just need to take ownership here, right? And so if I'm taking ownership and I'm thinking about how I think matters, then what am I taking ownership of? I'm taking ownership of how I think. And, and I'm ready to think in a way that's going to help me because I should take ownership of how I think. You know, as soon as I decide how I think matters and then I start to ready my thought, think about what is the quality of my thought all about, like How do I be a better self leader in thought? Then I'm able to take the power out of circumstances. I'm just dealing with adversity. But what I'm doing is, is that I'm operating in a mindset right there. And that's really what you do for the individual is what you do for the entire team. That's why my hockey teams were so good. When things started to happen out on the ice, it got a little crazy. It wasn't just our talent that, that led us to be able to break through and overcome obstacles. It was the way that we thought about things. So the mind, you know, the mind was prepared. I think one thing that I would always say about this, just kind of like on a tip on this, is is that if you could just start from the idea that we don't control much, but what we do control really matters. Because really right from there, as soon as as I start recognizing, just stop getting all up around what I don't control, right? Let me just think about what I do control and really do well with that, right? And so then I think from there, you begin to understand there needs to be a quality of my thought here. That's what I own the most. That's what I control the most. Let's start there. Like the, uh, like the serenity prayer. Oh, tell me about that. Yeah.
2: Uh, I I can't even quote it right, but it's about, you know, letting go of what you can't control. And is that uh, that part of 12 steps? Isn't it the serenity prayer? uh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, but (laughs) But I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: What you can control. Yeah. And I always find it so interesting, you know, that, you know, our mindset and our psychology is one of the biggest you know, t- determining factors of you know, our lives, yet we don't want to get um, help, you know, we don't want to get training, and we don't want to actually stop and think about you know, our, again, our psychology and our mindsets and, and things like that.
1: I think one thing that is just a, there's so much power in the simplicity of this idea, but just to really just kind of think about this thought, I should have a prepared mind I should have a prepared mind going into any moment that I care about. So any moment that, that really factors in, there should be some level of preparation. So what's nice about that is you could get to a point where that's not hard for you to feel a sense of a prepared mind going into any moment if you just live by just start with a couple of basic values, right? So one could be try to be somebody that lives in the moment. That helps. Now I got a prepared mind because my thought is directing towards the idea of be present be present, live in the moment, right? So that's helping me on prepared mind. I think it's also pretty, there's a simplicity to it. doesn't mean that it's easy, but you can gain good momentum on reminding yourself to have a prepared mind by reminding yourself to just go into things, thinking about what can I learn? And again, that's not a soft idea. That's a powerful idea. Learn to gain an edge. So for instance, like when I coach other entrepreneurs, I'll always talk about the idea of going to every moment, no matter what, being the good practice of being in the moment, it's very powerful. And people then can feel your power. Just be present. Be right there. Don't be distracted. There's so much more power in that. If you're distracted, you seem weak. So be very powerful. People like us to be powerful in that, right? And then always look to learn. Live from there. And it's very steadying that. And just those two simple ideas instantly give you a more prepared mind because you're just trying to live by two values. There, Kind of cool, huh?
2: Yeah. I, I think that's a huge lesson for me. And you think for me to keep in mind is just to be present, you know, and with technology and everything. It's just so easy to be spread out all over the place. And, um, you know, it's uh, diminishing returns when you're trying to multitask and stuff. So I did pull up the serenity prayer here since I quoted it. Oh, nice. cool. <laughs> so uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage uh, to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference.
1: So that's nice. I know that prayer now. Yeah, I recognize it. Yep,
2: Eric.
0: You, you, yeah, made, you made a shift. So the fork in the road. You you touched on a little bit at, at the beginning of a of the pod. You know, and I think we all face a number of forks throughout life, no no doubt about it. When you made that shift from man, you're you coat you're coaching hockey been your life probably since you were, you know, since you probably were born with skates on, I'm guessing, the, were you worried about what other people thought, man, all of a sudden he's going into corporate America, he's going into another, he's using his his skills and his talent, but he's going into a whole different direction. Were you worried about what other people thought?
1: No, but that's a, that's, but other people did have thoughts. So there were definitely, as I was making that decision and it was becoming public to people in the hockey world that I was, that I was stepping out after 16 years, uh, there were definitely great, you know, cool people, great friends, comrades in the hockey world, you know, advising me not to like, are you saying that you're, that you're not like, are you, you don't want to coach hockey anymore at all? Are you saying, you know, that you like, is that what you're saying? And, and at that point I wasn't saying that I was just saying, I, you know, I just feel like I've got this kind of this idea of like moving in a different direction. And there was, there were reasons why that I didn't say to everybody. And that was is that I really just wanted more control of my life. And I felt like, you know, to have to just wonder about maybe having my own thing and not to work for anybody else. And that was the main driver. And I didn't really disclose that in a big way because I, it was it was at that point kind of private to me. Not that it, not that I didn't have belief behind it. And in a way, I just didn't want want to water it down because people did try to talk me out of it. The idea would, was this, is that you're going to have a hard time getting back in if, even if you step out for a year, as promising as your career is. You know, you don't want to be out of sight, out of mind. And people are going to wonder where, why, where did you go type of thing. So there was a little bit of that. And that was kind of nice for me because I love your question because I think, you know, you asked that I care what other people thought. And what ended up being is, is that I realized that I didn't care, and that was nice.
0: You right. know, I, and I think that's great advice, you know, for the listeners. We have advice, Eric, from, you know, uh, listeners, I should say, from high school. Yeah. You know, you know, we thought, we really kind of thought, you know, who would we be talking to, you know, when we started this a long time ago, now a long time ago, which feels like yesterday still. Mm-hmm. However, you know, we thought our, our, our listenership was going to be someone in that, uh, you know, W2, you know, employee thinking they want to take control of their life, you know, maybe in that age 40, but you know, what we have found is a lot of high school. Now we've had high school kids. We've had college kids on here that are aspiring entrepreneurs or something else, yeah, or come from a family of entrepreneurship to, you know, that, that person is making a shift at age 50. So yeah. what, you know, and I think your advice is just incredible. I actually had goosebumps when you were talking about it because of the fact, you know, you thought about it, typical you, you go deep with it, with that thinking and, you know, should they care? Maybe, maybe, maybe not, but, you know, test the goal, you know, don't, don't be afraid to fail and and get after it, no matter what someone may say, friends, family, and others.
1: One of the things that I would say to that is when uh, I think to speak to the young entrepreneurs, If somebody, like, if I were to say to you, if I could wish to you, you know, young or new entrepreneur or somebody that's looking for like a little bit of perspective as an entrepreneur, you know, if I could wish either fuel or poise, I wish you poise. I wish you a balance of both. But the likelihood is that if you have an inclination already, to want to do something yourself and to want to be independent and not to have someone else. Like if you're really truly that way, because you're not a, really an entrepreneur if you just don't want to work for somebody, but I think it has to be part of it. I don't want a boss. I want to own it. You know, I want to be the decision maker, not the suggestion maker. I want to drive the energy. I want to be responsible. I want to be reliant on that. There's probably some fuel that's there that you're generating for a lot of different reasons. And so if you're looking for balance, you know, just think about like all the moments of poise. And so like even in resilient moments, we're being poised because we're not being chaotic. You know, we're staying focused on what matters most, right? Even when we're asking ourselves about things like, you know, do I care what others think? Am I not, we like, where am I on that? You know, what, where am I? Like And that sort of thing, I think a lot of times that clarity will come from the poise, right? We don't need the fuel, we need the poise. I think you need a balance of both. Um, it's a great way to look at it too. Just with sort of, just because there's multiple distinctions on success, right? But if, if we're really like in that entrepreneur spirit, maybe we're asking ourselves, do I feel like I've got the right fuel? Do I feel like I've got the right poise? And have those two things mean something to us that brings us that sweet spot? Do you like that?
0: Man, I love that. The, the poise. Yeah. You know, I, I think about the days of owning businesses when you're writing the checks. Right. Right. It, it takes some poise in a lot of
1: a lot of different ways, and I know uh, that's mental toughness in that moment. You know that yeah. that being able to, like you said, honestly, right? It takes some poise. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, I know we've taken a lot of your time, Eric, and we we greatly appreciate it. But as we always do, as we wrap up, number one, I'll make sure on our write up to. To put uh, where people could best find you. Why don't you remind us? I know LinkedIn, you and I are connected on Facebook and LinkedIn and and some other things, but. Where can we find you? I, I, should,
1: I should work way harder on, uh, uh, I've done at different times, I have worked harder on social media, but you can find me, I think you find me best on Facebook, actually not under Hoffberg coaching, but under, uh, just, just under Eric Hoffberg. Um, and I'm on Instagram under Hoffberg coaching. Uh, and I think that's the only one that I have on IG and then on LinkedIn. Yep. And I'm not as much on Twitter as I once was. So yeah.
0: <laughs> it's all, all the Eric
1: all yeah, these things
0: off. that uh, are disposable, are at disposal. And then when I first met you, I was on none of that stuff. Right. And I'm sure you weren't either. So no, I, I was a little bit
1: behind. Yeah. Yeah. For sure.
0: Well, uh, yeah. That no, that's a long time ago. Almost 20 years that's ago. So I don't even know if some of that stuff was around. But the yeah, uh, you know, certainly we'd leverage that that today. And all right, I'll make sure I get that out there. Hey, do you have anything? You've you've had a, a cool career. One last, uh, one last drop, anything that uh, will crack our listeners up that comes to mind?
1: So I think, you know, just kind of keeping in the spirit of like this moment right here. um, And even just, it's kind of cool, like just noticing moments, right? So even, you know, to step in, how many years has it been, the two of us, right? And Jared, you know, like, you know, for us to just pick up and just to, almost as if we've talked many times before, right? And so I just think, One thing that we did all slow down during the pandemic and and start to reflect and appreciate things. And I think that's a nice thing to remember to do is to slow down and notice moments, you know, enjoy reconnecting with people or connecting with new people, you know, be genuinely intrigued. I wish I could sit here and talk with you guys for like, seriously, could we not talk for another three hours or something right now? And, and because, you know, I just feel like there would be so much that I would want to know more that we didn't, you know, kind of touch on yet, just even in terms of both of your guys' stories and, and all that. So I would just say like, you know, just a little kind of call out on, don't forget to keep slowing it down The maybe the, maybe the only thing good about the pandemic that, that we had that opportunity to see the value of that. So don't forget to do that. Notice key moments, really, really try to like kind of make it your, your, kind of your cause. Like I don't want to like miss somebody cool to me. So I want to be on my game right there. So if there's a great conversation to have, I want to value that and that, and I would just say reconnect and make new connections.
0: That is, that is fantastic. Love it. Slow down, notice the moments. There's key moments and probably, uh, more than we, I don't even know. I, I know we all can slow down a little, a little bit and and really be uh, the the idea of multitasking used to be cool i think at least i thought the more stuff i was doing at at the same time was cool right no it's not you know it it, at least for me not very good at it not very you know what i
1: do you know what i try to do for myself is i actually use my self-talk i use language where i'll say to myself kind of either stay in the moment or else sometimes the coaching is even better for me where i'll just say don't take a flyby on this lock in and so that'll help me i'll realize like you know Because sometimes you're sort of in the moment, but you're really not listening to what somebody's saying. You know, you're taking a flyby on it type of thing, or you're really not appreciating. The phone will kill us, too, where you just don't even notice the view that you're walking around looking at because you're busy doing something. And so, again, you took a flyby on the opportunity to see what was there. You know, there's the great I think it's a Navy SEAL or Bruce Lee or both. I love this. And I'll leave you with this. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Love it. Right. Yeah. Slow is is, smooth and smooth is fast. And in that way, we're in the zone. We're in the zone. We're locking in, we're dialing in. And then because we're experiencing things like that, you know, we're able to play at pace and get more done. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Eric,
0: with with that, that is, that is another goosebump moment for probably JT and I. So I love that that will be included. Maybe the headline in your, in your podcast of this episode. Well, Jared Ty, Brent Duhame here. Eric, it's been nothing short of phenomenal having you, you uh, really be on our spot. show. And it's, it's been, been fun. And, and should anyone reach out, uh, folks, I'll have that on the write-up. You can, you can find Eric and, and coaching and, and what he does uh, in life. You want to get to know more about his business, don't, don't hesitate to ask. With that, episode 96 of Breaking Business Barriers. We'll wrap it up, and as we do, it is always uh, onward and upward. Take care, everyone.